0: I'm thankful for Colton using his gifts in worship tonight, and he even uh, chose the songs for worship tonight, so it's just great to um, see a wider group of people participating in our, in our worship. So let's, uh, let's look at the, the Lord's Prayer. So with Messy Church next week, uh, we're not going to be able to look at the Catechism, and the Catechism, if you look at uh, week 41, it's just, uh, just the, the whole answer is the Lord's Prayer. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this tonight. But I also wanted to give, uh, a lot of times, you know, the Lord's Prayer, we just think of it by itself, but it's within this bigger teaching that Jesus gives to uh, his disciples. And it's within a bigger, you know, teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is is really where it's found in Matthew. So let's look at uh, (coughs) Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5, and we'll go through uh, verse 15. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. I wanted to share a couple of quotes from a very important book in my life, one of my favorite books that I come back to again and again, called The Divine Conspiracy, Rediscovering Our Hidden Life in God. It's written by Dallas Willard, who is a Christian um, professor, a philosopher. He taught at uh, the University of Southern California for many, many years, and he wrote this incredible book that help me leave religion and and have a relationship with Jesus. And this is what he says. I personally did not find the Lord's Prayer to be the doorway into a praying life until I was in my mid-twenties. In my family, that prayer was for three generations I know of, always said in unison at the breakfast table. But at some point, for reasons I can't explain, I began to use it in a new way, taking each phrase of it and slowly and meditatively entering into the depths of its meaning, elaborating within it important details of my life. When I began to live in the prayer in this way, for that's the only way I can describe it, there were many nights when I would awaken at two in the morning and spend an hour of delight before God, just dwelling in one or more phrases. I had to make a point at times, as I still do, of praying thoughtfully on through the entire prayer, Otherwise, the riches of one or two phrases would be all I could develop, and I wouldn't benefit from all its contents. There is, of course, much more to prayer than the Lord's Prayer. It is a prayer that teaches us to pray. It is a foundation of the praying life, its introduction and its continuing basis. It is an enduring framework for all praying. You only move beyond it provided you stay within it. I love this part as a bass player. It is the necessary bass in the great symphony of prayer. It is a powerful lens through which one constantly sees the world as God himself sees it. The English wording long familiar from the King James is a treasure now interwoven into our conscience. It may be of some use in practice, however, to reword the prayer to capture the fullness of its meanings and its place in the gospel of the kingdom, So here's his translation of the Lord's Prayer: "Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on heaven, in just the way it is done, here on earth, in just the way it is done in heaven. Just the way we want it is not a bad paraphrase for amen. What is needed at the end of this great prayer is a ringing affirmation of the goodness of God and God's world. If your nerves can take it, you might occasionally try, whoopee! I imagine God himself wouldn't mind. So let's all say that instead of amen. Whoopee! Just how God wants it. a a Amen. That kind of captures the, uh, the Lord's Prayer for, um, for me. Next, I want to uh, introduce a way that, uh, that I've been learning to pray the Lord's Prayer. So it's a way that I will recommend to you, and it's also a way that you could teach anybody how to pray. And this is from some of the... Um, building a discipling culture book that some of us have gone through the last couple of years with the huddles and everything. In the book, it's called the hexagon. And if you forget from geometry high school, a hexagon has sides. six sides. That's a pentagon. <laughs> a hexagon has six sides, and that's because there's six uh, phrases of the Lord's Prayer. So this is a way that, that you can pray the Lord's Prayer and this is a way that you could teach other people. Um, so let, let me just lay out the, the six sides. The first is our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. The second is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. The third is give us today our daily bread. The fourth is about forgiveness, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Fifth is lead us not into temptation. And the sixth is deliver us from the evil one. So one way that you can pray through the Lord's Prayer is to do actually what Dallas Willard recommended. It's to dwell on each phrase. So that's, a, that's also a way that a mentor recommended to me. So you could spend your, the start of your day just thinking about one phrase. So, our Father who art in heaven. What does it mean that we have a Father that's in heaven? <laughs> um, that we, you know, hallowed be your name. That means holy. So we have a holy and perfect Father, yet that Father also knows us intimately and accepts us in Jesus and everything that that means. I mean, think about all the implications for your daily life, for your faith. That you don't just, you know, know somebody in heaven. You don't just have connections upstairs or something like that. But you have a father that, uh, that, that is in heaven. That's ruling the universe. And um, that, that knows us. That's made us his, his children. There's so much to... Uh, to consider about that. Or, you know, you could look at the, the fourth, you know, forgiveness. And you could reflect on forgiveness. Um, that's really powerful. You know, who, you could spend some time praying for your enemies, as Jesus asked us to do. You could spend some time asking God, who do I need to forgive? Who am I still holding on to some resentment, some bitterness? Who have I not... Fully forgiven from my heart. Maybe you have that interaction. You said, yeah, I forgive you. No big deal. But it was a big deal. And God's working with you. And, And God's showing you. You know, as we think about forgiveness, God shows us, look how much I have forgiven you. Look how much grace I've poured out on your life. I've given you a totally new start. I've forgotten the past. And what Jesus said about forgiveness is, is so powerful. So you could, you, know, you could easily spend 10 or 20 or 30 minutes thinking about that fourth phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So that's one way that you could pray. You just focus on one of those, one of those phrases. The second way is that you can, you can think of an issue or a problem or a situation in your life. That's never hard. We've all got lots of them that are going on. And we, and you can take that through the entire Lord's Prayer. So I'll pick one that's, that's very common. Um, you know, say that finances are tight for you right now. And you're worrying about you know, how to pay the bills and how to get through the month. And there's just not enough to go around. Well, you could start anywhere on the Lord's Prayer. So again, think of it like a hexagon. Just pick anywhere around that, that hexagon, that circular thing. And uh, say, say we're going to start with, give us today our daily bread, the third, the third phrase. Well, give us today our daily bread, and you know Willard says, give us today everything that we need today. What, how does that speak to our situation? How does that speak to us when, when we're short on financial resources? It's that reminder that in God's kingdom, this is a kingdom prayer, in God's kingdom there is no, there is no want. And so it's that trust that God is going to provide for us. And he'll give us today our daily bread. And not worrying about what's life going to be like six months from now? What's life going to be like two weeks from now? What's life even going to be like tomorrow? But trusting in God for today. The daily bread for, for today. Or you could, you could keep going around the circle and go to forgive us our debts. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean in, in regards to money worries and money stress? Well, in God's kingdom, it reminds us that our sins have been washed away. So we might feel regret or shame when we've been foolish with money, where we've, uh, we've been reckless with money, but the prayer reminds us that's all been washed away. That's, the, the slate is wiped clean because of what Jesus has done. And so we, we can have peace about that. And we can say, I'm going to move forward uh, with wisdom and with, uh, with uh, you know, God's, God's guidance. So you can take any problem you have and just take it right around the hexagon. And God speaks to us through that because if the Lord's Prayer teaches us anything, it's that prayer is a conversation. So it's us talking to God and us listening to God and hearing what he has to say. So, that's really all that I have to share tonight. Now I want to give you guys a, uh, a time to, to share. And the question that I want us to consider is, when was a time that God directly answered a prayer of yours? When was a time that God directly answered a prayer? I heard some things this afternoon that were so encouraging, and I just wondered if anyone else had something that could encourage the body of believers here. The story that I'll, that's, okay, Dennis is, I'll share mine just to kind of prime the pump, you know, but thank you. I'm glad we have a, get that man a microphone. Um, when we were, let's see, this was the summer of 2010. And, you know, for about six months, we had felt very convicted that God was sending us to New York to plant the church, And we had, uh, you know, I had been praying in my prayer journal, you know, every morning I had been praying about uh, the amount that we were going to need, the amount of money that we were going to need in order to move there, in order to live for at least a year, you know, and we were $2000 short of that of that amount. I mean, it was it was amazing what God had provided so far, but we were still $2000 short and I wasn't sure what we were going to do. We were supposed to leave a couple weeks later and I was, you know, I I just didn't know how it was all going to go. Well, we went to a party at my friend's house and I ran into, you know, his mom was also at the party. She had come up from Olympia to Seattle for this thing whatever it was. And she said, oh, Pete, I've been meaning to talk to you because, you know, I know you sent that letter a few months ago and, you know, we weren't able to, to give at that time, but I've been praying for you and just wanted to encourage you and Lily in this, in this ministry. Uh, but, I, but I wanted to let you know that a couple weeks ago I got a phone call and it said that, you know, a long-lost relative of mine uh, wanted to, um, you know, had left me in her, in her will And had some money for me. And I was like, oh, this is totally a scam. Like, I'm going to completely ignore this. But she was like, she comes from a really big family from Idaho. A Mormon family. And she left Mormonism and became a believer in Jesus. But she has all these cousins because she comes from this massive family. But she was like, ah, I didn't think anything would ever come of it. And so I just, you know, kind of hung up the phone. And I didn't want to be part of any scam or anything. But earlier that week a check had shown up from them that, that, that they mailed her for, you guessed it, $2,000. And she was like, I was asking God what I'm supposed to do with this, and I saw your letter on the fridge, and I'm going to give that to your church plant. And so that, that was just this incredible... It gave us so... Um, it just was so humbling uh, t- to, to see that, you know that she was going to give us this whole gift that she had received, which was her, you know, her right to do whatever she wanted with it, that she had been praying. It was just so direct. And um, so it just felt like a miracle, and it felt like God was putting his blessing upon, upon us and upon that ministry. And there was many more answers to prayer like that. So uh, I want to just turn it over to uh, Dennis, I guess. <laughs> well, let, let's... Okay, you got the microphone. Okay, great.
1: Well, several of you have probably heard this story, but a couple of years ago, uh, Halloween of 2017, uh, Shelley Thompson and I went to the doctor's office up at OHSU after some encouragement from my local cardiologist because of how bad my heart was. So we went up and talked to him and said, Okay, if I don't do anything, um, don't take any medicine, don't take any treatments, what kind of a lifespan do you think I have? And he goes, oh, about a year. Um, So it scared the patootie out of me. Um, So I thought, okay, well, what do I need to do? How fast can I get into this program? And so he was giving me direction of exactly what we needed to do, but he said, not so fast. Uh, It's not like you can take something home, sign it send it back in, it's, it's a lot more than that. You've got to go through a bunch of tests, so. Um, I went up the following January um, to OHSU and did a bunch of testing that day, and that was January 17th of 2018, and Gordon here and I were on my way home from the hospital, and we stopped at a little restaurant, and I had full cardiac arrest uh, at the hospital. And thanks to Gordon doing CPR, it saved my life. Mm. Um, spent a week in Kaiser. And all the time after that, I thought, oh, wow, this is going to knock me out of the program. But my doctor at OHSU said, no, no problem. That, that just proves you need it more than <laughs> what we originally thought. So mm. that, I was praying all the time that that wasn't going to knock me out. And sure enough, it didn't. But it sure scared me. Well, it's been since January of... Uh, well, I had the surgery in um, March. Oh, no, excuse me, February. I got out of the hospital on Valentine's Day, how mm. apropos. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's been two years, a little over a year and a half since the surgery, so mm. it's been doing pretty well. Now, if I can just keep it in balance, why well, it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> you want to pass it up to Brenda?
2: Well, as you guys know, um, we've had a lot of health issues off and on for a, a while now. And it seems like one thing gets, one of us gets better and then the other one gets sick and then the other one gets better, same thing. And I started questioning, I've always been a very positive person, and but I started questioning myself too and, and why is this happening to me and so forth. And mm. I couldn't understand, you know, I was starting really not doubt God, but asking questions of God in my prayers and so forth. And then I actually went to see Pastor Pete, and he helped open up my eyes through the Lord that it wasn't the Lord, it was the devil getting mm-hmm. after me. And so I've had my ups and downs, but I go and I pray and I fight the devil. And I'm going to continue to do that. But God answered my prayer directly by showing me that he's always there for me no matter what. He always loves me no matter what. And he's going to always bring me up out of out of my despair mm-hmm. or whatever I'm in. And somehow he makes it work for me. And I continue to go on and bring others to to. Come to our church and just talk about him, about the Lord. I'm not afraid to tell anybody. Yippee! I love the Lord. So, you know.
0: Anyway. Thanks, Rhonda.
3: Well, there's so many desperation prayers that God has answered <laughs> about health and money, and but one of my favorite times when God answered prayer was when Carrie went to Honduras and that was a real big faith walk for me because I was not super supportive I was scared and but when she was there we would talk on the phone and get cut off but <laughs> texting and she would describe the children her roommates where she was staying the village the school and in these long texts, and she'd say, gosh, Mom, I just wish sometime you could come. And, and at that point, Brent, our, we had almost zero income. I was working, but he wasn't getting disability. and So it was kind of impossible, but it just, this seed planted in my heart um, about going. And there was one day she was describing her drive to school. No, it was from, home from school. The Caribbean on the right-hand side this beautiful oceanscape. And on the left-hand side, this just dense jungle canopy. And it just, from that day, I started praying. And Lord, I have no money. I don't have a passport, but I just have this desire and I'm just going to be praying that maybe I can go see her. And it wasn't even this, you know, I've got to go see her. But it was just, he planted that in my heart. And I don't think it was just a mother's prayer because it was pretty much impossible. We had no money, but I was praying and I would consistently pray, Lord, I know it's, Silly, almost, but this desire is pretty strong. If there's a way, Lord, I'm just keep my eyes open to it. Well, then, when Carrie got really, really sick in at the end of May or whatever, um, I still had no money and no passport. But it's amazing what a sick, uh, you no know, matter how old, how old they are, what they will do. So we found enough money, and you can get a passport in a day, as it turns out. And the day, you know, I'd spent all of our money and I flew out the next day after they called and said, Come get her. She's in the hospital. Um, my dad called and said, I'm paying for everything. So the money was taken care of and we got there. And, and all those, those big prayers about health and everything, God just answered so fully. But Carrie was well enough to go pick up her stuff at the village. And we're driving and I'm sitting in the back of the van. And on the right hand side is the Caribbean. And on the left hand side is this big jungle. And it hit me. That's the first time it hit me that God answered Mm. that prayer. And Mm -hmm. not that, oh, he answered it and made Carrie sick. You know, I I never thought thought of it that way. way. But he put that, he knew, I guess, what was going to happen. And he answered the delight of my heart. And he didn't have to do that. In Mm. fact, other people offered to go get her Mm. because I didn't have a passport. But sometimes he just answers prayers to delight us. And I love that he did that. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, Michelle and I, when we first met, uh, we went through a pregnancy, and uh, it was the first pregnancy went into the doctor's where you go in there to see the heartbeat, and uh, it was so devastating for us when we didn't see the heartbeat. And uh, I still remember to this day... Um, the subway across the street from, uh, Kaiser Hospital and, uh, we had lunch and we're getting ready to go over to, uh, an ultrasound, you know, to check and see if everything. And I remember sitting in the car and we're holding hands and mm-hmm. as I'm walking out of the subway, I looked down on the ground. And I, I seen a penny there and we picked it up and, uh, I don't remember how we did it or what we said, but, um, Went over to Kaiser for the, uh, the appointment and did the ultrasound there. And they're looking and looking, and all of a sudden, we've seen that heartbeat. And uh, I think for me, you asked like the first time, something really answered, I think, for me. And that was it. And we still have that penny to this day <laughs> to remind us of that day. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
5: I got one. Um, Well, 10 years ago, I lost a parent. And it was, well, yeah, my mom died of cancer. She was diagnosed in May and then died the following May. So it was all very fast and hard to digest. And I was 25 at the time, and then 26 when she passed away. But I think I felt like I was always going to be fractured and that something had... You know, something so valuable had been robbed of me, and you know, robbed of my future. And I just could not ever. Im- I mean, I knew I had to carry on, but I don't. Ha- I didn't have any clue that I was ever gonna feel good or wholeness or purpose or excitement or joy again. And I have to say that. You know, this is obviously there's not one moment that God has answered that prayer of just finding security and fulfillment in Him. But, you know, I can say in hindsight that, um, you know, 10 years in, I can think of my mother with a just like, you know, definitely with a missing and a longing, but not with any kind of acute distress or like the bottom is going to sink out and (laughs) never be recovered. and I think I find a lot of joy in it. I used to not be able, like the pain of having to even talk about her to someone that had never known her was so unbearable. And now I find a lot of joy in it and I even feel like I can mourn her more fully in her flaws and in her gifts. And I feel... I just said this to Pete like the last week regarding some like physical, tangible thing. But I feel like I got all the best of her. And that just feels like such a gift from Jesus to be, to have felt at one point like I lost something that I would never recover. <laughs> and then, you know, through a decade, not saying it takes a decade for everybody, but it probably did for me. But, you know. Now I feel like I have all the best of her and, and I can miss her with like a wholeheartedness that doesn't feel like my heart's going to crack and break, actually feels fuller. Um, yeah, my joy feels, or my grief feels more like joy. <laughs> they kind of are connecting somehow.
6: Thanks, Lily. Um, I um, when Lynn and I first got married, we went to uh, we were married six months, and we went to Nigeria, mm-hmm. and uh, just you know all the details for that were absolutely incredible. Mm. But um, when we came back from Nigeria in 1979 in December, then our daughter was 6 months old and we were like oh we were kind of wondering what to do and we didn't have a job and she had a job she was working at the at the hospital anyway um we were home for 5 months and my dad was killed by a, a drunk driver in a head-on collision and uh i i remember like lily i mean i just felt robbed i just Oh, man, I was so mad. It was, yeah, it took a long time to kind of work through that and get over that. Well, um, fast forward 39 years to um, last month, about three weeks ago, actually. We had a family reunion with my living siblings, and we camped in uh, uh, Hill City, South Dakota, with my um, with my three sisters and my brother and myself and all our spouses. And Jane was there. So anyway, we're sitting around the campfire. Every night we'd sit around the campfire, and we would tell stories about um, faith and our families and our dad. And, you know, sometimes you you know, you have these super rosy like oh he was perfect and he was this and he was that you know but <laughs> he wasn't but anyway it was kind of interesting you know reminiscing about our family about her mom about her dad and you know all that stuff we were sitting there and we were thinking like this is pretty amazing five children my oldest brother passed away about 12 years ago anyway So there there were six of us. We were sitting around the campfire, and all of the kids and spouses loved Jesus. And I think I shared that with you, Mm -hmm, Pastor. mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, you think, oh, my parents were so great. They were this, they were that. And my, you know, no. I mean, they were in a way, but it's God's grace, right? Because we all we all have families, and we you know same father, same mother, and you know a lot of us, some not, but whatever, you know, and you think, "Oh well, I'm such a great parent, well, you know <laughs> we try, we do our best, but you know it's anyway, it just God's grace is so amazing, yeah. and uh it was just a reminder, and it was just so you know just All we could do is just sit there and thank Jesus for our families and for, um, you know, just, I don't know. We just felt robbed. All of us did, Mm -hmm. you know, when my Mm -hmm. dad um, Mm -hmm. was killed. But, you know, we worked through it. And I guess that's, Mm -hmm. as I look back, that's probably where my commitment to... The church and to Jesus um, came from, you know, it's my dad because, you know, he just, I don't know, he just loved the church. And, um, (laughs) Mm. you know, I guess from that time on, we just, both Lynn and I said, well, no, we're just going to, we're all in. We're just, you know, 100%. And that's probably, you know, maybe part of it's from him, but it's just, God mm-hmm. is so good, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, even in a when you feel like you've been robbed, you know, you can still see that He's at work, and yeah. there's you know beauty that comes out of that. Yeah. It's, at the time, it's you can't see it; it's hard to see. But yeah. anyway, I just thank God for His grace and His mercy, and the time we had you know, as a family to be together and just talk and, you know, it was just wonderful. And I just yeah. thank God for that.
4: Yeah.